Welcome to Scandinavian Mind Weekly, our show about the current trends and events within business, tech, fashion, design, culture and more from the Nordic perspective of our team of editors and contributors. Today on the program, the Fabricant secures a $14 million funding to build the wardrobe of the metaverse. We talk about the plans for our cover star, Kerry Murphy, and what this means for digital fashion. Also, Mark Zuckerberg and his Meta opens a physical store selling virtual reality products for the metaverse, uh, another uh, frontier. Uh, I have also tried out the new Swedish audio app, Anyone, and I'm going to let my co-hosts uh, interview me about that. I'm Conor Olson, Editor-in-Chief and Founder of Scandinavian Mind, and I'm here as usual with Roland Philipp Kretschmar, Editor-at-Large, and our Junior Editor, Erik Sedin. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Wonderful. So Art Week in full swing. Uh, we're not going to cover that except to plug our little uh, things to do at Art Week uh, that we published the other other week. So Stockholm Art Week, if you want to know what to do, uh, read Roland's uh, recommendations. Have you seen anything just uh, quickly before we start, Roland, that you want to mention? Yeah, I would like to um, recommend Michelle Blade at Loyal Gallery Odengatan 3 in Stockholm. Fantastic painter. Good stuff. Wonderful. What else is going on? Uh, I guess there's something going on with Twitter. I don't know if we should mention that. We probably haven't talked about that enough, right? In media, in business podcasts around the world. I don't know. You mean the cocaine tweet? (laughs) Or what are you referring to? Can you enlighten me, Conrad? <laughs> Elon Musk is buying Twitter, I think everyone knows. Uh, I'm kind of sick of, of hearing it because I've, every podcast I'm listening to is, is about this topic. But I, what I didn't Can't know... was not do a 50-minute analysis? Let's deep dive into this now. <laughs> no, please don't. But I did not. I had not seen uh, the cocaine tweet uh, as of this morning. So uh, maybe we should just plug that. What was it? I didn't see it. I still didn't see it. You just mentioned it. I mean, sometimes he just um, <clears throat> he just tweets uh, weird stuff. Uh, maybe when he's uh, up late at night smoking weed. I don't remember the exact uh, tweet now, but basically he said he wanted to buy Coca-Cola so he could put cocaine back into the recipe. <laughs> and you know, it's funny. I saw this morning actually uh, on internet the the first original Coca-Cola bottle, which contained three point five grams of cocaine. So there yeah. you go. <laughs> True story, you know. Sounds well, expensive for him. Um, I, I am sure the there will be no shortage of uh, debates about what it means when the richest people in the world can just sort of take over companies uh, this casually, this fast. Uh, but we'll leave that for another podcast and dive into our first uh, bigger story. Uh, it was recently announced that The Fabricant, uh, which is, of course... Um, the cover of our latest issue, uh, we had the cover, Carrie Murphy, uh, the, the founder, Carrie Murphy, as a digital avatar cover star of Scandinavian Mind issue three. The Fabricant have now secured a $14 million Series A funding to build, quote, the wardrobe of uh, the metaverse. And I, I think this was um, timely of sorts. Um, very interesting to see that, you know, it, the concepts that he is talking about 
in uh, our interview, which also uh, was published in this podcast feed uh, uh, earlier this week. So that makes it even more timely. But he's now uh, kind of gotten the muscles uh, to do this thing, uh, which I find uh, really interesting. So the funding was led by Greenfield One with participation of Ashton Kutcher, uh, which is kind of an interesting take, and uh, Guy Osiris Sound Ventures uh, and others. They seem, there's also a DAO in there uh, helping to, to fund this thing, which I find uh, really interesting. And I think what we're going to see here is the Fabricant kind of launched as this, for, this is sort of direct-to-avatar fashion brand. That's how they first marketed themselves. Uh, the co-founder, Amber Sluton, is uh, a digital designer herself. Uh, but basically what, what uh, Kerry talks about in our interview as well is this kind of studio, this, this platform that he's building for other designers to come in and use their uh, digital textiles, use their uh, uh, software, their technology to be able to design clothes themselves. So... I think kind of the underlying message here is that I think they kind of want to be, I don't know what you would describe it as, kind of like the the uh, the infrastructure for a new digital fashion industry, which I find really exciting. Uh, so I think we're going to see another development of, of the fabricant with, with this funding. Uh, what do you guys think? I think it's interesting and just a quick comment that, I mean, we we, we had this kind of backlash of, nfts and digital fashion early this winter uh, and then it's it's kind of coming back again i just saw uh this morning actually that nike and artifacts latest collab around murakami i mean the murakami nft sneaker has sold for hundred thirty thousand dollars uh you know it's 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 kind of um the the hype is uh is, is it's not a hype anymore it's here to stay you know and so yeah, I'm, I'm very curious about the developments, and I love this direct to avatar as a marketeer. <laughs> you know, I love that kind of. Um, it's a new segment, it's a new demographic. <laughs> no, for sure, I think it's a good reference with with artifact. I mean, that was the first drop I think since Nike acquired Artifact, which of course is the French uh, digital sneaker uh, brand. Um, but no, I, I also loved, I think the Fabricant was the first one to talk about direct to avatar. And I think this, uh, I, I recent, I think I mentioned the, the last episode that I, I was doing a talk for, for H&M group about this. So obviously the, the legacy fashion industry, the, the physical fashion industry, and I kind of underscoring that, uh, what's interesting with this is, uh, and Eric, you wrote the, about this as well in the issue that we're talking about a separate industry. It's, it runs separately or at least in parallel to sort of the old uh, fashion industry uh Mm. you know the fabricant does not do any uh um physical iterations of their clothing we've seen quite a lot of sort of crossover uh, projects and so forth but what kerry is talking about that this is going to be a separate industry it's going to be an industry that's potentially it's going to be bigger uh, than the physical fashion industry because eventually the metaverse and metaverse spaces will, will, will be bigger uh, you sort of uh, since since they are digital they can be you know infinitely bigger than than the physical world uh, and this is actually something to to um, uh, you know take seriously yeah and you you can't blame carry uh, uh, and the fabricant for being like too shy with their estimations they're saying in this uh, uh, like uh, press release that 
in 2025. That's in, <laughs> that's in, that's like tomorrow. That's like three years. He's yeah. saying 100 million people will wear metaverse ready like pieces of clothing from them that are minted. Mm. So this gets me going like 100 million people in three years. This means if you're asking me, I think like this kind of funding and this kind of uh, like big breakthrough for fabricant means that they will probably enter some kind of gaming platform. And if you read this, this, uh, like uh, this press release too, Epic Games, they have given the fabricant a mega grant. It doesn't really show exactly what that means, but since uh, the fabricant is using the Unreal Engine that mm. the Epic Games uses, I think when <laughs> when the fabricant are saying this in three years, we will have 100 million users or 100 million people will be wearing our stuff. Probably means they they know something we don't. They're probably on some kind of platform already where they know 100 million people will be at. So really interesting and really cool to see. Uh, where these clothes, there's these uh, digital pieces of clothes will be, where will they be worn? Where, mm. where, in, in what setting and stuff. So it's not, like you said, direct to avatar, but where will these avatars be? It's not going to be a Instagram AR filter for sure. No, I think that was like the initial vision with, with the fabricant that, uh, and I think the initial vision was actually AR that, you know, mm. in the future, we'll all be wearing some, 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 really mundane, uh, simple outfits. But, you know, when we put on our AR glasses, we, 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 we will be able to express ourselves and people will see who we really are, at, you know, in this sort of digital layer upon our clothes. So we're obviously not there yet. And they're talking less about that. I think what you're alluding to, Eric, is, is probably where it's going. Um, mm. You know, we already see Fortnite, Roblox, these types of places selling digital skins, so forth. I think we're we're going to see brands like the Fabricant who are working with a sort of legacy fashion industry. That's that's been a strong uh, part of 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 their brand and and you know the the projects that they've released that they've been working with Tom Hilfiger and Adidas and Prada, uh, no not Prada but Puma and and other brands, sort of helping them into the metaverse. So there is a there's kind of a, a bridging aspect of of what they're doing that I think is really interesting. Um, mm. On on one hand, though, I think that kind of I think it could be like a transitional thing. Um, you know, I think we've talked about on this podcast before the the sort of the notion of of of, of things being skewmorphic. I think we're in this sort of skewmorphic phase of digital fashion, where when when uh, the fabricant or Carrie talks about how they're designing clothes, you're talking about bringing in you know traditional textile designers, and and you, if you see some of the 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 collabs they've released with with Tommy and 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 uh, Puma and so forth. The products looks they they look like physical fashion. It's very mm. similar. It looks like a digital mm. like a, a very beautiful rendering of something that has a you know physical uh, um, uh, like a f- physical version of it. But mm. I mean I, that's obviously not where this is gonna stop because if mm. something is digital. It doesn't have to look like traditional textile. What what even is a digital textile? It doesn't it's just like a surface, like a mm. <laughs> like a paint or like a thing. You know, we don't have to do that. If if, if we're completely digital, we can be dragons and and uh, you know other creatures. Like, yeah. like I think like, that Conrad is um, the element which I'm cur- uh, currently most interested in is the the, the sh- shape shifting of identity. Mm. So. Um, the, I mean, <clears throat> we're we're getting old, right, Conrad? So you and I, you know, <clears throat> uh, we, we when we, we we have one 
one sense of identity, one view of identity. Sure. Eric has another view on identity, right? Uh, since he's younger. And then I look at my kids. I mean, for them, identity is uh, multidimensional. Mm. So they have their core identity, obviously, uh, but then they shift shape and form, as you say, depending on the, the, the platform where they are. So they might have, mm. you know, even on Roblox, there are different games. So they have different identities in different games. And then you have different platforms. I mean, ultimately, you're talking about, uh, you know, the, 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 the scale of digital. I think we should also look at the scale of identities that when my daughter, who is now 11, when she's 21, she might have 21 different identities, depending on the platforms, the metaverses, the channels, mm -hmm. etc. She, she she's present on. And also, like that's uh, we just launched our podcast this Wednesday with the Kerry Murphy, the called the values in the metaverse, and he he talks about that how mm. when she's twenty one, she will not only have twenty one identities, she will also have money of her own. <laughs> so she will it will be very like natural for her to spend money on digital assets and digital mm -hmm. clothes, because like you said, your eleven year old daughter or like uh, Connor, your daughter, she's ten, I think. They don't really have the money now to like their own money to purchase and spend on virtual goods and digital goods. But when they have their own money and when they go to bars or they go to concerts on a weekly basis, you know, that's where they're going to spend their money. And I think that's what Carrie said too, that with your identities, imagine if you have 21 identities, it's going to be quite expensive to buy clothes for all those 21. But this is, <laughs> exactly. uh, now this is interesting. Um, my, my daughter came to me the other day and she said, you know, I, I have this uh, TikTok account where I, I film myself playing on, on Adopt Me on Roblox. And, you know, my, my, my first goal is to get 10,000 followers because then I can start to earn money. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. For sure. Yeah, so you know, I, I, I think she, she will uh, earn money far earlier than at twenty one, and and far earlier yeah. than when I earned Good money. Point. You know, Good I was a lazy boy <laughs> when I grew up, but uh, I no, but I, I think it's kind of interesting that this this um, there's a multidimensionality to economics as well mm. in 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 the metaverse spaces, right? Yeah. There's this blurring line between. You know, if we st stay to Roblox, the Robux currency, and then you have the f fiat currencies, the cryptocurrencies, all of this is kind of blurring now also. Uh, and um, it, it, yeah, it's, it's just so interesting that it's in addition to, let's say, the cosmetic point of views we might have of how digital fashion looks like. I think what's beneath it, the I mean, as we just said, the the, the elements of identity and the, the mechanics around uh, economics, etc. I think that's what's really fascinating about the Web three space. Like it's the decentralization of identities as well. Hmm. Now, su super interesting, and I we we we're currently doing research on trying to find all the data we can we can find on this uh, to 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 cover this more. Uh, I think one data point that I that I found was uh, Heisenbaum, the online magazine, released a report on gaming, fashion and gaming last year, and it said that I can't remember the numbers, like ten or fifteen percent of uh, uh, gamers um, were using other genders that they that they're other mm. than the, their physical gender, uh, and it was kind of natural to play around with genders and identity. It goes straightly into what you're saying, Roland. 
Um, and you know, I think already the 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 highest nobiety target group they, they were surveying their own readers, and obviously not uh, eleven year olds, uh, but people who are actually buying stuff. Uh, I think twenty six percent of them were already buying digital skins in the vicinity of like twenty to fifty dollars or euros mm. per month. So I mean, this is a real thing, and I think this funding uh, shows that. I think we're going to see a kind of stark development. I'm 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 super excited to see what you're alluding to, Eric. That uh, these kind of startups we're seeing. I mean, the Fabricum comes from the fashion industry. They are fashion operatives. They are obviously a tech company, but they define themselves as a fashion company. They collaborate with fashion brands, with textile experts, with designers. It's going to be really interesting to see, uh, you know, what use cases they can come up with. Because I'm, uh, you know, as you say, Eric, I'm sure they have plans for this. If it's going to be Fortnite, if it's going to be Roblox, uh, you know, wherever it's going to be, it's it's going to be uh, for real. It's going to be, uh, you know, a real market. It's going to be a real money that people buy for this stuff. So super interesting to to cover. Hmm. And maybe in the show notes. Um... Uh, there, we can add a link. Uh, there's an article I also shared on my LinkedIn this morning on the decentralized selves, basically this this element of the dissolvement of identities in Web3 spaces. We'll do that. Good stuff. All right, moving on to our next story. Mark Zuckerberg opens a physical store. Uh, the world's uh, most famous social media <laughs> entrepreneur is now uh, into a physical retail, which is kind of funny. Eric, you've been looking into this. What's happening, really? Yeah, and uh, I don't really. We don't really need to introduce what who Meta are, but like you said, they're opening their first, and it's a permanent retail store. It's a physical store. It's not a pop up. Hmm. But what I thought was interesting was where they decided to open it, you know, their meta. They could open it on Oxford Street or Fifth Avenue or, I don't know, Rodeo Drive. And I don't know what the Paris one. I haven't been to Paris. I don't know that one. You know, they have the pool. They have the money to open wherever they want. But they yeah. open it in Silicon Valley next cool. to their, like, Reality Labs campus. So it's basically in-house, you know. So it's kind of a, you know, there's kind of like a baby step, a really small baby step for them because they're kind of, like, really trying their wings here. Mm. And, you know... I haven't been to Silicon Valley. I don't know how it is, but I have this perception that it's just, there's a few people there, but mostly it's just checkout stations, like robots talking to you. <laughs> so I'm like, who, what people will really visit this store, you know? Like, will it be like school class field trips going there occasionally? Or like, I don't know, meta like uh, employees, their families coming to visit, like, oh, look at our cool store here. So I think it's it doesn't really say much about where they put the store, you know? I don't think there will be a lot of like organic people there he's going there out of excitement well, to I try it out given the, the i think it's a small first step given the real estate prices of san francisco i think it, it will show that there are actually physical people living, living <laughs> in silicon valley eric we'll have to book a field trip but i think w- what this means is you know he's they are obviously doubling down on their devices and this is an important step for meta for selling the metaverse people need to need to use uh, physical devices to experience it and and I think one of the frustrations of, of Facebook is of course that they're so dependent on Android and, and iOS uh, to, to reach out to people and, and this is this is part of his uh, you know strategy to, to break away from that but uh, I think this is also interesting to see because you know people are buying you know my daughter to, to take that example uh, again 
you know, every day she she is talking about she wants a virtual reality headset. It's it's on the top of her wish list right now. Mm. So this is also like a real thing that's kind of happening underneath. I think the mainstream uh, media, I think people in general don't think about this, but I think this is a kind of a quiet revolution happening that will enable uh, these sort of metaverse concepts that we are talking about on this podcast. So this is obviously a first step. I wouldn't be surprised if they're, this is just a, a, a test that they're then going to roll out on Oxford Street and all these places that you mentioned, Eric. Yeah. Can I ask you out of curiosity, do you still use Facebook? Uh, I do. It happens. What do you uh, use it for? I wish I, wish I didn't have to. <laughs> for example, Scandinavian Mind, we publish stuff there, so I have to go in there daily. Yeah, no, but okay, share but, articles. Uh, as a private person. No, 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 that's the thing. It's strictly uh, professional, or it could be, um, you know, that's where I have my, like, friend group chats, because mm-hmm. they've been, like, they're, like, decades old now, you know? Mm-hmm. So, of course, we could move them to WhatsApp or to, like, the Messenger app, but uh, I don't know. Like, I only use I only use the Messenger app, which belongs to Facebook. I guess it's kind of separated, but it is Facebook, I guess. And then professionally, I use it to like mm-hmm. buy stuff on their marketplace, which I think is pretty good. And like, or like sell a couch or something. Mm. What about mm. you, Conrad? No, I mean, I think I use uh, Instagram and WhatsApp every day. So in that case, in that sense, no, but I'm, I'm using... talking about Facebook. No, I get it. No, I think I, I'm in there maybe once a week. And mm-hmm. it's only because uh, I, I get some kind of notification. Someone has text, texted me or something. I guess technically you're then on the Messenger app. So that's not Facebook. So, mm-hmm. But if you have kids in school or if you're part of a, a local community, as for instance, with my my place in the archipelago you kind of have to be there because that's where the the, that's that's where it lives for me because there are these um message boards and and stuff you have to keep updated on to know you know Hmm. what happens locally that's that's the only reason how about you yeah i only use it i mean sometimes i share articles or you know uh, when we have the weekly podcast but uh, i use it every day for um birthday wishes it's the best feature of Facebook. It's amazing. Every it morning I wake up, I do my routine, I go into Facebook, I see whose birthday it is, I put you know, some kind messages, a bit of love. And you know, it's funny because it makes people so happy and it it's um I've I have like I don't know 2,500 people on Facebook, so people I have randomly met, you know, maybe once or twice in life, mm. close friends, relatives. I mean, it's 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 all kinds of people, right? But uh, I, I love that feature because even if I've met someone once 10 years ago and I greet them on their birthday once a year, it just, it adds a level, some human connectivity. Yes. So yeah, it, and you know, they actually took away this feature uh, a year and a half ago and uh, it broke internet. I mean, people got really, really upset. So they had to take back this feature. I, I, it makes me feel bad. I stopped doing this a few years ago because it felt sort of, uh, you know, automated uh, doing this, and it's kind of unpersonal uh, to to just do it because Facebook uh, is enabling it or or encouraging me to do it. But thinking about it, I, when when it's my own birthday, I really want these wishes. So I go into <laughs> that's one of the most important Facebook day of my life. Uh, I go into Facebook and and read the birthday wishes. So, but you know what's funny is um, since I do this. Uh, and I've done it for years uh, as a routine every day. It's funny because in the in the beginning of the morning, you can see 
obviously uh, the profiles where you can put the wish and some people have blocked the 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 the, the option the, the the possibility to put in a wish then towards noon around lunchtime they have opened it up so you can actually put the wish <laughs> okay <laughs> so they so they do exactly like you Connor they go in and like shit i've blocked uh, you know <laughs> the possibility for people to comment on my profile and they open it up <laughs> i need the wishes i need the love i need the yes, love exactly. yeah, i was no, really yeah. i was really disappointed i think last time i think i got like 4 in total <laughs> Okay. I think it's like my people, like my my friends stuff, they're not under anymore. And it could be like, I remember five, six years ago, like as soon as it turned 12 at, at midnight, yeah. they would just like stream in. So yeah. maybe that, that's, that's super interesting. Show. Probably a generational thing. But so taking this back to the store, which was the actual yeah, 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 <laughs> uh, Maybe this, could this be a, a new version of of uh, oculus you know you wake up on on your birthday morning you put on an oculus and you have 2500 people waiting there in the virtual world greeting you uh, that that would be an experience that I think. would be fantastic yes yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward love. to that yes mm, uh, and uh, like you said Connor, going back to the store um i think the store looks great you know bright backlit wooden panels and shelves you know that will also sell the Oculus uh, goggles and the headset, and their, uh, they also have their video calling device portal, and mm. they also have the uh, the Ray-Ban smart sunglasses that we've written about before. Mm. I think it's good that they have a place that looks kind of nice. It's kind of light and smart and modern that w- where people can go and try out these things. <laughs> I know uh, Meta said they're saying this store is the gateway to the metaverse, which is really cringe <laughs> when they put it like that. Mm. Uh, but I guess it kind of is like people don't really uh, like people that aren't excited about the metaverse or people don't even get it because they haven't tried it. So in this place, let's say they have one in Oxford Street or whatever, they might even have them at airports, let's mm. say people just go in there and trying them and seeing like, hey, this is pretty cool. Like this is what a virtual meeting would be like through their portal device. And hey, this is what uh, going into uh, gaming or any kind of metaverse platform would look like through Meta. So. I think it's good for people to get like dip their toes in and getting to know this stuff, but I think they need to get away from Silicon Valley, first of all. <laughs> all right, just to, to end this uh, podcast with, I just want to share an experience uh, with a new startup, a new audio app called Anyone. Uh, we've had the founder, David Orlik, uh, on the podcast last year. Uh, so now finally I was able to to try the service out and I thought it could be uh, you know an interesting way for us to to expand the podcast as well I'm, I'm gonna get back to that but so anyone is a new uh, audio app that promises that you can sort of call anyone in the world uh, for for five minutes so you know big surprise is a it's, it's an app on the phone that lets you do a phone call uh kind of the 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 going joke that that the founder david actually said to me but the the take care is actually that they want to invite sort of leading people within different industries uh and have uh you know the general public so to speak uh be able to to call people they 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 don't necessarily get to reach in, in you know in a in another setting they can't call uh, Bill Gates, say, you know, and I, I don't, I don't think Bill Gates is on the platform yet, but you know, as as an extreme example, so mm-hmm. let's say Bill Gates will be on anyone, he will decide that, you know, certain parts of the week, or or you know, I think you know, anytime you can call him, it will be at a kind of cost, 
uh, and you can call him for five minutes only just to ask for for uh, tips and recommendations and so forth. So I've been keeping my eye on this, and um, uh, last night they had a session which they call like a phone booth, which is a a free session for the users where they gather kind of people in a certain uh, uh, you know business arena or or sector. And last night it was uh, uh, journalists and editors. So it was me. It was uh, uh, another edit, another journalist from Sweden, uh, a few more ones from from the New York area. You know, producers of, of uh, you know of t- t- TV networks, uh, writers for uh, like The Economist and Vice, and you know, kind of a, a pretty uh, diverse group of, of journalists. Uh, and uh, you know, the the this I think the to- the the purpose here was to have these people both interact with each other, which I did, but also have sort of users of the platform uh, reach out and talk about journalist issues. Um, and I just want to briefly mention, because they, when when uh, I had this pitch to me, I was like, is this, you know, when we talked about it the first time a year ago, Clubhouse was really all the rage. And I was thinking about like the future of audio is here. There's going to be a ton of different types of services. Um and uh, it was it hasn't been obvious to me what you know anyone is gonna you know what role they they will have here. So it's really interesting to to try it out. And um, as you know, talking to the other journalists, it was like okay, I can probably do that myself. Uh, you know, I network kind of often, maybe not so much internationally. That was kind of interesting, but I don't think I would go on the platform specifically to do that. Maybe if, if it's, if it's a, a journalist I really admire. But what was interesting was uh, at, during one part of this session, a woman uh, called in from uh, London, I think. She had a small uh, jewelry brand and she asked me advice on how to reach out to magazine editors. Hmm. Um, and it got me thinking that if, if I would be able to... Uh, say let's set apart uh, a portion of my week maybe like uh, 30 minutes after we record this show on Fridays and invite our readers or listeners to speak to me that would mean so much for me if I would get like the, the feedback from the people who are consuming our content um, so that really sort of opened open up my mind to, to this service which I haven't really understood uh, fully before well, that's interesting so the service is basically thought of to be people pay, I guess, or how do they get to hold of all? No, so the, the, the general users will pay a fee. Uh, I mm-hmm. think there are similar services where you kind of can pay a celebrity to for a you know, birthday greeting or something similar, kind of like that, <laughs> where you, know, okay. you pay a fee of like uh, $5 or $10 or $15 or $50, depending on you know, uh, the, the, the person. Um, and then you can call anyone anytime, right? So mm. if, if, if they're available, they can pick up and, and take this call and make some extra buck. I don't think generally people like, you know, if you're a professional, maybe you don't need that extra cash. Um, <laughs> no. So I, I think but, there's this stuff to be said about the business model. But but having, you know, enabling connections between uh, people that you you don't really have the platform to, to speak to. I think that's super interesting. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, there's something in it for you and for the listeners of this podcast, let's say. Let's say we, we host a room there 30 minutes after we recorded this or they talk to you specifically. They can, you know, it seems like 
It's supposed to be the caller or the people making the call to the person you want to talk to. They're supposed to get advice from them. But it could be the other way around, right? could be a way for letting your readers or if you have a podcast, or if you have a magazine, if you have a YouTube channel, hey, give me some feedback. What do you, did we have a good week? <laughs> Should we go back to something else? Do you want to comment anything? That could also be a really good idea. I have so, a respect for the founders, so this is by no means any criticism against uh, against them, right? Mm. But I, I think that uh, the way I see it, my five cents is that if this would be integrated into some podcast recording um, kind of a platform or a streaming platform, then it makes sense and you would reach the, the audience, uh, I mean... But to shift between platforms, I mean, your comment, Eric, I, I understand and I agree. I think that was maybe also the point of um, Clubhouse, etc. But I mean, to be on one platform and then shift the conversa conversation to another platform, for me, that's not going to happen. Mm. Um, so if Spotify decides to do this, that's a killer. If YouTube decides to do this, it's a killer. What's the platform we are on? Riverside, they could do it. Could be interesting um so yeah i mean i wish them all the best again if, if the founders are listening to them this is by no means any criticism i understand the idea but yeah i'm a bit skeptical to uh, the scale the scalability of it yeah well let's give it a try i thought it was interesting i i thought let's let's i wanted to invite you guys let's do an experiment let's yes, let's set course. up the anyone room or like the scandinavian mind room at anyone and then we'll invite our podcast listeners to uh call us at some given moment uh and give feedback i think that could be super interesting so let's let's try it and make it a little experiment uh on this pod of course i'm open-minded i just wanted to give my five cents to the yeah <laughs> Yeah, sounds great. Nice to get our to get some criticism as well to hear what we're doing wrong. Yeah, yeah, that course. would be fantastic. Just open yeah. session for criticism. <laughs> exactly yeah. for everything. Yeah. Like you know, Roland, you should dress better. You know, <laughs> <laughs> let's have a therapy session. A th I think, therapy. I, I think our colleague Erik Olofsson will call in and wonder why we're not working. What what we're doing on this podcast. <laughs> Anyways, uh, this has been Scanning Mind Weekly. Uh, it's so much fun. Uh, we'll be back next week with more conversations. I'm sure we'll talk more about uh, Stockholm Art Week, which uh, will continue happening this weekend. Um, uh, please follow us uh, uh, on our newsletter. Visit scanningmind.com slash newsletter. Uh, this has been great. Enjoy your weekend, guys. Thank you. Take care. Ciao. Thank you. See you.